Welcome to Ag Future presented by Alltech. Join us from the 2022 Alltech One Conference as we explore opportunities within agri-food, business, and beyond. In many industries, five generations now comprise the workforce. Traditionalists, baby boomers, Generation X, millennials, Generation Y, and Generation Z. Most traditionalists have retired. Baby boomers are following suit at least trying to figure out how to retire, Gen Xers are in high demand for their unique abilities to bridge generations, Millennials are approaching 40, and Gen Z is entering the workforce. Can they all get along? I'm Tom Martin, and in this episode of Ag Future, we put the question to Colleen Eldridge, CEO of Be More Consulting and Vice Chair of the Board of Regents at Transylvania University. Thanks for joining us, Colleen. Thank you so much for having me. And let's begin with that burning question. Can these generations, given the vast differences in their lived experiences, can they all get along? They can. It's so interesting because I think most of the time the conflict isn't rooted in the generational difference. It's rooted in the different expectations that we have. Mm. And that can happen with people of the same generation or with people of different generation. I think part of the key is just that awareness and that empathy and understanding that we can bring into a workplace, that we all bring different strengths and weaknesses and skill sets into an organization. And when you have that combination of skill sets and so forth under one roof, somebody has to lead, has to pull it together, make it coalesce. Can that be taught? Are some people born leaders? I think some people are natural leaders, but I do think that there are skill sets that have to be learned in order to be successful at being a leader. I think all of us are leaders in some way. Some of us just do it a little bit better than others based off of our own experiences and our ability to learn and resources that we've had. Um, so some people are definitely born leaders. I think you can see kids on the playground and you can pick them out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but some people really do have to learn and hone and polish those skill sets to be great leaders. What are the uh, non-negotiables of being a good leader? Communication skills. Uh, flexibility in how I communicate. I think that's probably one of the top things that I hear from organizations or from exit interviews of people from organizations. My boss didn't listen to me. So not just how do I communicate out, but how do I receive communication? Um, so that communication piece is key. Building trust as a leader. I don't think we spend enough time actively and intentionally trying to build trust between leadership and employees. Uh, we trust the people that we work the closest with. And if I'm two seats up on the hierarchy, it's really hard for me to trust you because I don't know you. Um, so building that trust, intentionally building that trust, I think is a non-negotiable. And then having some flexibility. Um, oftentimes I talk about communication and I talk about policies as either it's like you're running into a wall <laughs> or you're running into cotton, right? And so how do I have that flexibility that we need the structure here, but I also understand that circumstances happen and people are people and I can't just blanket a policy on every person equally. You have said that established leaders who want to grow their businesses and foster their successors need to unlearn and relearn their management practices to 
better exercise, empathy, inclusion, and listening to things you're talking about. And that sounds like a major change. That sounds like uh, the old old dog, new trick mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, conundrum. W- what do leaders need to start and stop doing in order to find common ground across generations and to maximize returns from that? Mm-hmm. I have to share a funny story. So I was doing a training for one-star generals that were about to be promoted to two-star generals. And we're talking about generational differences in the workplace. And I said, the way that you've always done boot camp probably will not have the same outcome now as it had 30 years ago. So you need to be thinking about where can we make some changes to boot camp what kind of reception do you think I got got from that? They were like, no, no, like we've always kind of done it this way. Um, We've never let people have phones. Well, right, because in 1970, people didn't have cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how do we look at the policies that we have in place and ask ourselves, is this still relevant? Is this still necessary, right? And so I think some of the things that leaders have to unlearn is this thought process that just because it's there, that it should be there. Just because we've done it this way, that we should continue to do it this way. So recognizing that I maybe have built the ship, but now it's time for me to update the ship, right? Um, That's, I think, one of the biggest things that we have to be willing to unlearn is the thought process of, I've always done it this way. You know, a a great leader that I once worked under uh, said that the key to everything is flexibility. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, being flexible, making yourself flexible opens you to um, the possibility that things are not going to go your way. Yeah. And um, it's very important to, to learn that skill of flexibility, isn't it? Um, and how important to the success of a business are effective communication skills? You mentioned that uh, among leaders. Yeah, it will make or break an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of effective communication mixed with a lack of trust, which those two things go hand in hand, can really make or break an organization. And I often joke about communication one, not, not this part is not a joke, but if information can be shared, it should be shared. And I think that that's so important because when leaders choose to not share information, employees, we're human, we go to worst case scenario. No one ever comes to you and says, Tom, I need to talk to you. And you think they're just going to tell me how great I am. (laughs) You think, (laughs) what did I do wrong? Uh What do I need to fix? Um, And I think when we look at that on a massive scale of an organization, Each of us are left to our own devices to make up worst case scenarios. And then I'm going to go to my friend and we're going to come up with an even worst case scenario together. So I think when we think about how we communicate in organizations, there's this thought of I should not communicate a message until it's polished, until it's shiny, until I know 100 percent that this is the outcome. People want to be brought along on the journey and you can get better buy-in if they've seen the process versus you just give them the end result. So transparent communication and progressive communication, I think, can do tremendous good in an organization. And where that gets you is probably the ultimate goal, and that's trust. Mm-hmm. What are some hallmarks of the the kinds of communication skills between employers and employees that can make a real positive difference in a company's performance? Mm -hmm. 
checking for understanding. So it goes back to that listening skill. I think there is a thought with leaders sometimes. I'm going to tell you what I need you to do, and then I'm going to send you off to do it. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to ask questions. I'm not going to give you an opportunity for feedback. And then you present me with this final result, and it's nothing at all that I wanted. Now, I'm frustrated as a leader. Now, you're frustrated as an employee because you've spent all this time, energy, and resources. So how could we have avoided that? Well, one would have been transparent communication along the way. Before I sent you off, I could have checked in. Do you have any questions? Is there anything that you don't understand? Anything that you need clarity on? And use that as an opportunity to get the feedback. Maybe you weren't as clear as what you thought you were. I think we're just in such a rush to get things done that we forget that getting things done the right way matters as well. Colleen, a question for the Times. I think a lot of people would like to hear your thoughts on this, and that is how do we lead remotely, digitally? Is it even possible? <laughs> it is. It's. I think it requires a lot of effort and way more intention than what it would be in a traditional workplace. I think when we look at what good remote leaders do is they do have that personal connection with their employees as well. They're making the time to ask questions about how their family's doing. They're checking in with them as a person. How are you doing? Seeing me as a person, not just a machine. I think that's really one of the keys when it comes to remote leadership is still building those relationships and those connections. Back to communications for just a second. Um, and that is gaining those skills. How often should people be trained on communication skills in order for it to become effective and impactful? Communication skills are a practice, much like people go to the gym and you don't get fit by just working out one time. Uh, you have to actively practice it. I think the difference with communication skills is people think, well, I talk all the time. I'm good at communicating. And there's a difference between talking and effectively communicating. So you have to practice that. You have to be open to getting feedback. Oftentimes you have to be willing to ask for that feedback on, on my communication skills. Hey, was I clear in that meeting? Is there anything that you feel like I could have done better to have gotten my point across more succinctly? What are the skills that you really want to work on? And then you have to be able to create measurable goals towards that. That way you can see the progress that you're making. Sometimes pride and ego can get in the way. 100%. Right? Yeah. People like themselves a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and when I like myself, sometimes it's hard to hear that feedback. And it can be. Well, what what is the one thing that everybody can be better at when working in a multi-generational team, which is kind of gets us back to where we began with the conversation? The one thing... Can I give you two instead? Absolutely. Okay. So Please, three or four things. if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> the two things I would say is one, to pause, right? To pause and think before you speak, think before you interact. And I think that applies not just across generational differences, but any differences that I, any of us bring to a workplace. So pause and try to not necessarily put yourself in the other person's shoes, but wonder what might be causing their reaction, how they said something before you react. 
So that pause is a game changer for a lot of people. And the second thing is, is to recognize that generational difference is just one piece of the differences that we bring into work. And I love talking about generational differences, but it's probably not even the most exciting piece of who you are and who you bring to work. So that one dimension does mean something, but that one little attribute of diversity is one piece of who you are as a person. So get to know people and not just the perceptions of the generational difference that they might bring into a workplace. And you know, sometimes I think we forget that in in thinking about the, the pause, that even that, that moment of silence while you're sitting there processing, that's communication. Mm-hmm. And it can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Yes. There is no need to react and there is no need to respond as quickly as what everyone thinks they need to. The pause is a gift. Well, given the experiences that you've had in in training and, and working with people in these roles, um, what is... What's your takeaway today about the state of leadership? Uh, are we doing it well? Um, how, how are we progressing as, as a community of leaders? You know, I think it's so interesting because COVID hit, and I think what we saw was a humanization of leadership. And that was very appreciated on the employee side. They got to see their leaders in their kitchen (laughs) (laughs) with their cats running up. And they got to see them as people and not just the person in the big office that's making the decision. I think what is not helping us right now as leaders is this rush to try to revert back to February 2020. Mm -hmm. And those leaders that are trying to do that, trying to make things exactly what it was like pre-COVID, I think are not going to be successful because people just have different expectations now of what does it even mean to be a leader. Would you say that genie's out of the bottle? Absolutely. I often say it's like once you squeeze the toothpaste out, you can't get it back in. And a lot of leaders are now walking around with messy hands because they're trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, okay, now what? how can I continue along this path? I know it made so many of them uncomfortable to have that vulnerability and that transparency, but that is now what people want. It's what people wanted beforehand. I think people just got to see that it could be a reality, and now that's the expectation. Well, it's not every day that the whole world goes through a paradigm shift at once, and and that's what we've been through. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty incredible. And that one thing, I think has exponentially increased the speed of change at work. Colleen Eldridge, CEO of Be More Consulting. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you so much. For the Alltech Ag Future podcast series, I'm Tom Martin. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.